podcasting world, and welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Corvino. With me, as always, my bro host, bro host, co-host, Cole Swanson. I just made that up. You see that? That's, That's freestyling. Great. It's yeah. on the fly. Yeah, that was terrible. How's Anyways, it going? Good, man. It's been a while. Yeah, holidays and stuff. Ugh. Time off. Time with family. I know. Actually, while literally Christmas Day, my wife Jen was like, uh, "How come you haven't podcast in a while? I haven't had a new episode up to?" She's like, getting uh, on you for it. Yeah, she's like mad at me for not podcasting. So I'm spending time with you, babe. Yeah, she's like, "Well, okay, but don't <laughs> slack. <laughs> you really need to get one out there. You have all your followers and fans. Uh, yeah, all three of them. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's like 70 degrees at the beginning of January, so things are going well." Yeah, they were doing the uh, polar bear plunge yesterday over at uh, Sullivan's Island. and So not much of a... Yeah, I ended up not even going. When I found out it was like 77 <laughs> outside, I was like, yeah, it's not the move. Yeah, I learned in the beginning of winter that my truck doesn't have heat. It's a new-to-me truck. Uh-huh. Well, so, that's a cool uh, feature. Yeah, it's not great. So yeah, I'm definitely enjoying the 70-degree weather on my long drives. Yeah. I will say I'll take being too cold over cooking hot like true any day when it comes to yes that's true so it's it's much better than not having ac in charleston mm-hmm. you show up to the clinic in uh, july you look like a crackhead when you get in there <laughs> she's covered in sweat it's a nightmare sir do you have an appointment yeah no i'm wearing a white coat oh, yeah that's cute okay let's get you right over to psych yeah my dad said i should just take it in and get it fixed and i was like hmm maybe i'll just order a heating blanket off amazon and call it a day yeah that's so what i did did you really oh yeah Works great. Perfect. Plug it right into the uh, cigarette jack. That is 100% a male <laughs> That's what I do. strategy to <laughs> that problem. I, I spent I spent half an afternoon, th- I think I figured out what was wrong with it, and I took off my whole front you know, stereo and everything came out, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I just need to get this part and fix it. Or I could just buy a heating blanket off Amazon. <laughs> That's perfect. Yep. It's the greatest that. solution I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, geez. I bet your wife's going to love that. Well, she don't have to drive it, so that's good. Well, hopefully, you guys don't have to take that anywhere. Yes, <laughs> we'll take her car. <laughs> there you go. All right. Um, did you see the uh, the new Pro Air inhaler? Yeah, just got with the, the Digihaler. Um, you made a post about it, right? Did I? I think I just made it like a Instagram story. Instagram story, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, which which was by me making it. I just took a screenshot <laughs> right. of Medscape. Spent a lot of time, yeah, putting... a lot of effort and thought into that one, but. Um, no, apparently it like keeps track of uh, your inhalations and uploads it through an app, and it's kind of cool. It's cool. So I guess your doctor might be able to see it and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, you're not." Ta-. Well, I mean, well, it's Proware, so it's not like something that you would want to be consistent with every day or anything, right? No, but I, to me, I'm thinking if if I was going to use that, and you know, I'd say, hey, "Let me see the yeah, app how many, in your use." Yeah, and I'm seeing you 18 times a day. Be like, okay, maybe we need see, to uh, you increase that. your your you know, regular inhalers. Right, yeah. Get the controllers a little more on board. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen people that come in, they get albuterol, like, you know, constantly. Oh, yeah. They, they get a new new Pro Air inhaler, like, every, like, five to ten days. Right. It's like, mm, pretty sure not you need the, to not, not the be best. inhaling it this way. Unless you're, like, just using it to crush the the treadmill a little bit longer. Right. I'm really losing weight, Doc. <laughs> I need as many of these as I can get. Stat. Um. Yeah, I saw a Grand Rounds presentation about some pills that kind of do a similar thing when they're digested, sends a, a little ding to your phone, <clears throat> and you can track adherence that way, basically. That's cool. Um, Don't know if there's anything out that there. That was like Abilify, that. right, that did that? Yeah, it was yeah. Abilify. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. 
That's what it was. That's pretty cool. Some people are freaking out about that, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I mean, I feel like they're going to spy on you. They're going to spy on you. Yeah, they're spying. I mean, I've got Amazon Alexas at home. Oh, you know yeah. they're listening to me oh, all the yeah. time, right? That's why I have to really watch what I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be really nice to my wife. <laughs> Super nice. <laughs> very, very politically correct all mm. the time because you never know when Amazon's listening. Yeah. Anyways. Um, what are we talking about today? Conspiracy theories, apparently. <laughs> Anyways, Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> I saw him, right? And then he went away. I didn't keep my video footage. But, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, obvious transition here. We're going to talk about Parkinson's disease and going to go through some of the basic background information, talk about the treatment options, kind of give like a, one of our classic brief overviews. So nothing crazy in depth, but kind of go over some of these things and talk about some of the meds. A couple of new things on the block. Yes. Right. We got the inhaled Inhaled. levodopa. Yeah. We'll talk about it a bit. Yep. Don't know how to pronounce the brand name, but... Yeah, we got some debate over that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll tackle it three quarters of the way through. There you go. So yeah, Parkinson's, I didn't realize how common it was, but uh, it is considered one of the more common neurologic disorders, affecting around 1% of patients over 60. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, causing progressive disability. It can be slowed. There's no cure for Parkinson's at this point, of course. Um, so it can't be halted by treatment. Uh, but treatment can hopefully, it, it's its ultimately, uh, it's a clinical diagnosis. There's not great tests you can do for it as far as blood work and things of that nature. So usually it's um, somewhat insidious and it's found because patients are presenting with uh, the classic symptoms, which we'll go over. Uh, but as far as patho, it really comes down to a loss of dopaminergic neurons for Um, reasons not always clear, but there's definitely a genetic component. It tends to run in families in some ways. Uh, it usually affects older patients, 60s, 70s or older, but can affect younger patients. Um, so a loss of dopaminergic neurons, specifically in the substantia nigra, uh, and also presence of Lewy bodies. Uh, so protein buildups in those dopaminergic neurons are also a classic finding, usually post-mortem in these patients. Yeah. And roughly it takes about 80% of the dopamine producing neurons um, to be damaged before these motor symptoms start to kind of appear. Um, you know, to, to, when we think about the, the actual motor symptoms, the, the major symptoms, there's an acronym I saw called a TRAP. Hmm. Um, it was T for tremor. Um, and that's can usually occur when patients, you know, resting, um, but then becomes worse if they become more anxious um, and then there's the R for rigidity, uh, usually in the legs, um, arms. can also be in the trunk as well, in the face. They call it like a, a mask-like face. Um, then uh, akinesia, or also uh, bradykinesia would fall into that, which is a lack of or just a slowing of the overall movement. And then postural instability, which is more of uh, to do with balance and mm-hmm. can increase risk of falls. So trap is a good way to remember the yeah. major symptoms. And frequently the the gait or the um the posture is called that Parkinsonian gait. It involves them kind of hunching over, um, walking slowly with the shuffling their feet. Uh, also might have a softer voice than they used to have. Frequently will have sleep disturbances. Um, a general weakness or a malaise. They might be depressed. 
their their thinking might seem like it's slowed. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but the the acronym is really the main ones that you're going to see. Trimmer seeming to be um, kind of the, the hallmark, really. Yeah. The uh, there's also, and we'll talk more about this when we start looking at some of the treatments, but. Um, you can, you get into what's, what's called the off time. Um, and those periods of, of off time can, can extend as the disease, disease progresses. Um, and this is when basically the, the disease, um, becomes worse before the next dose of medication. Um, so in like an off episode, uh, that has to do with like muscle stiffness, slowing movements, difficulty, um, starting movement in the first place, uh, is definitely a, problem and and a frustration for patients having to live with this disease Uh, and so we want to minimize that off time if possible and so we'll talk when we get into the meds we'll kind of talk about that a little bit yeah treating these patients it's really a quality of life uh, situation prolonging or i should say delaying disease progression and prolonging time um, to uh, late stage disease and so reducing those off times as much as possible is important we'll talk about levodopa being the hallmark of of therapy and within your doses you may have that off time patients might call it something like their bad time or their low time even their shaking time or their slow time i feel like i just entered a dr seuss book for a second um that was good that yeah. was really excited can rhyme sometimes uh they might call it something like that but you'll know it is the medication just not working as well as it should and sometimes they may um put the levodopa doses more closely together or increase the dose, but we'll talk about that as we go through the meds. And uh, kind of before we even get there, let's talk about some of the meds that can make it worse. Sure. Um, you know, we think about our antipsychotics, obviously, like um, first generation definitely would, would be a factor. Um, anything that can has a potential for like EPS-type symptoms, we also worry about that with a patient that has Parkinson's, um, procloperazine, uh, other first-generation uh, antipsychotics, uh, haloperidol, um, then also our anti or second-generation antipsychotics, uh, risperidone would probably be the biggest of those that can can cause risk. Um, metoclopramide would be another one. Um, you'll see that sometimes used in uh, in patients, and it's because it is renally cleared. Um, it can definitely accumulate in elderly patients, which is who most commonly present with Parkinson's in the first place, and it can make it worse. So, Yeah, that's really the first thing you'd look at if you're having someone presenting with Parkinsonian symptoms. What could cause this? And once you rule all of those things out, it's it's you have to have two of the three cardinal signs, resting tremor, rigidity, or bradykinesia. If you've got two of those three and you can't give a reason why that might be happening, then you could, you know, tentatively diagnose them with Parkinson's and kind of go from there. You know, and you may be thinking, like, why bring up the antipsychotics? And, you know, besides worsening the progression uh, of Parkinson's disease, um, it's important because uh, psychiatric conditions or comorbidities are very common uh, with patients that have Parkinson's disease. So, you know, depression is a... Is, uh, very common, which can be treated with, you know, just a regular SSRI or SNRI. Um, however, when the patients start going into more of uh, psychosis is when we run into problems because a lot of our antipsychotics, like I just said, cause uh, worsening or potentially worsening of the, of the disease. And so there's a few different agents that we can go to, uh, quetiapine, Seroquel, uh, probably the least likely to worsen Parkinson's symptoms of those second generation antipsychotics. 
Then uh, we also have things like clozapine, um, which can work, but then you know we have to worry about uh, patients' absolute neutrophil count, um, and so we make sure they don't develop agranulocytosis. Um, so that's you know not always a great option. And very close monitoring that goes into that, and these patients' mobility is already limited, so trying to get them in for labs and stuff isn't necessarily feasible that often. So really, you know, it, it's a consideration, but definitely would try for Seroquel first. Uh, there's also another drug that uh, it's been a, approved for a couple of years. I've never actually seen it. My, my wife actually brought it up to me before uh, we started, uh, but New Plazid. Are you familiar with that one? I haven't seen Dispense. Yeah, I've never seen it either. Um, but it's it's a uh, serotonin, um, specifically a 2A2C receptor inverse agonist. Um, and it's approved specifically for hallucinations and delusions in patients with Parkinson's disease. So, um, you know, it does come with some some warnings. And if a patient is already on uh, an antipsychotic for um, some sort of like uh, schizophrenia or psychosis, it supposedly increases mortality um, when you add that drug to it. So there's a lot of other uh, variables and things. We won't go into that too much, but just be aware that it's out there. Yeah, so along with depression and potentially semi-psychotic symptoms, uh, you can also have erectile dysfunction, constipation is common, daytime somnolence because of the sleep disturbances. Uh, you can actually use modafinil for that. Um, you know, it's not always like, hey, having sleep disturbances and you're tired, so let's hit you with some modafinil, but it's a consideration. Uh, that's actually something that they use in narcolepsy. Um, you can just use polyethylene glycol for the constipation and uh, Viagra something like that is fine for the erectile dysfunction that may um, come along with Parkinson's. Those are some of the non-motor symptoms you might see. So that's some background information. You want to uh, move into the treatment options a little bit? Let's do it. See that? I oh, did by, see that. By the way, I added sound effects back <laughs> to the podcast, just so everyone's aware. They haven't made an appearance in a while. I think that you did throw them in maybe... Yeah. Five, six episodes ago? Yeah, just so everyone listening can feel like you're a part of it. Uh, there, I was using an old iPhone that I no longer actually use as my phone. Because um, he has like seven iPhones. That's not true. <laughs> um, but I have. Uh, I was using an old one to actually run the sound effects, and it kept having this weird like, like buzzing sound. And I think we recorded an entire podcast with that. I was so upset. I almost deleted the whole thing. <laughs> but Cole and his cooler head prevailed and told me not to. So um, Don't throw the computer out the window. Almost daily. <laughs> but uh, there was like this weird humming sound. I couldn't figure out why. And then uh, it was actually my younger brother was like, well, did you check the uh, the port that actually plugs the you know, the, the auxiliary cord into to make sure there wasn't like dust or lint or something from your pocket down there. I was like, uh, no. Yep. Big thing of lint <laughs> oh, no. down that. So no wonder it was humming because it wasn't making a good connection. So yeah, now we got that fixed and that's what was causing the humming. Yeah. No way. That was it. Pocket lint. That's hilarious. So this is how horrible we are audio. <laughs> I literally have to watch YouTube for everything that we do here. So yeah, that was it. Pocket lint. Now we got sound effects again. We, there you go. There you go, just like that. Cha-ching. We advance week by week. Yeah. Pocket Look, lint will not hold us back. No, never. It almost cost me a computer that was throughout <laughs> the window because I was so irritated, but we figured, we figured it out. First time I heard that story. Really? And you heard it here, folks. There you go. <laughs> All right, so uh, I guess we'll start off with the primary uh, treatment option, which is going to be your uh, levodopa, uh, also uh, or often used in combination with carbidopa. 
Um, levodopa is a precursor to dopamine. And so we definitely want to replenish the, the levodopa in the system uh, in order to, or I should say we should want to give levodopa so that we can replenish the uh, dopamine in the system. Um, now, it is broken down uh, in the periphery before it ever actually reaches uh, the CNS. And so we give it with carbidopa to ensure that it um, can make it to the CNS. So carbidopa is actually going to inhibit uh, an enzyme called dopa decarboxylase. Uh, and that way, levodopa can actually get to its, its site of action that it needs to. Yeah, and this combination is is the mainstay of initial therapy, mainly for motor symptoms. That's what it's used for. Uh, it provides the greatest anti-Parkinsonian efficacy in moderate to advanced disease with the fewest uh, acute adverse effects. Um, if if a patient's motor symptoms aren't the primary concern, there are situations where you might not start with this, but almost always that's the case because it's clinically diagnosed. Like Mike said, 80% of dopaminergic neurons might have to have died before you see these signs or symptoms. So very insidious, uh, and, and that's why you would use this. There's a few formulations. Cinemet is the most common, um, and that's just that combination of levodopa, carbidopa. There's also a controlled release, and then there's a couple of other brands, Riteri, uh, which are sustained release capsules. Uh, if patients are having trouble swallowing, this might help. Uh, frequently, it's dosed a lot, depending on how a patient's symptoms are. Uh, and so it's a lot of pills to swallow, and within this, they might have issues swallowing in general because of their disease. Um, so that's a consideration. There's also Duopa, which is an enteral suspension, so they can't drink it. Uh, it's frequently administered by a portal pump into the jejunum over a really long period, like 16 hours. Um, and sometimes it improves the on time and decreases uh, off time that patients experience, which we talked about before. Yeah. Um, th there's also uh, um, the, the Riteri uh, that Cole mentioned is, is definitely used more commonly now. It lasts a little bit longer than the other uh, controlled release um available options uh however it's only available as brand name so it is quite expensive so that's another uh, factor to play with that one but finding the 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 right balance is is super important um to cut down on those those off times and that's where the new um levodopa inhalation comes into play um Embrija is the inhalation powder that's available now and that's specifically um approved for uh, levodopa for the treatment of off episodes with Parkinson's disease. Um, so that's uh, that got approved on December 21st of 2018. So, you know, way last year. The, it's the newest kid on the block still. The newest kid on the block. Um, so, yeah, if you're taking your levodopa and you're having those off periods, then this is indicated for specifically that. You can use it. They estimate that about 40% of the 1 million or so Americans that have Parkinson's do experience off periods. So, I guess there's a market out there for it. Yeah. Um, some of the adverse effects to keep in mind, um, you know, nausea, dizziness, orthostasis um, are common. Um, also, dyskinesias, uh, dry mouth can happen. Uh, it can also cause the the urine to become black or dark. Um, this would come into play, you know, if a patient was on a, like a statin, for instance, where we know that one of the adverse effects is, you know, 
very rarely seen but can happen with um, rhabdomyolysis. We would want to make sure that uh, the patient is your patient can differentiate between the other symptoms like muscle aches and things like that um, with rhabdo versus uh, just a browning or, or dark color to the urine that can happen with the carbidopa levodopa. One issue with the dopamine agonists, specifically levodopa, is that it's really a finite period of benefit that you see. Uh, so four to six years, or so around five years, is, is kind of what they say for uh, how long you might be able to see good control of the motor symptoms. So sometimes patients might try to, you know, it's it's a cost-benefit type of thing that you decide with your doctor, and so they might try to push the uh, levodopa back and say, okay, well, I'm going to wait a little longer until things are a little worse before I start because I know that the benefit isn't going to last forever. Um, sometimes it lasts longer, sometimes along with um, some exercise regimens that can improve and improve how well the levodopa is working. Uh, but frequently that's why we have other adjunct therapies that can be used as monotherapy in some cases, but are frequently added on to the dopamine agonist um, to improve how well it's working. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to mention too that I forgot to when I was mentioning adverse effects is uh, preprism for yeah. males. So yeah. you want to be aware of that. Um, and then also it can increase uric acid. So if a patient has a history of gout, especially with, you know, severe gout flares, you know, recurrent flares, I should say, um, be aware of that because we want to make sure that we're not worsening that. And at least if we are going to have to increase the uric acid, it may need to go up on the allopurinol or something. All right. What do you want to go to next? Well, there's a few other, yeah, we could. There's a few other dopamine agonists as well. Oh, you want, okay. You want to go to the dopamine? Let's go to sure. that. Sounds good. Um, so one is apomorphine, apokin or apokine, not used as often, but it is a dopamine agonist um, indicated for the treatment of hypomobility off episodes specifically. So end of dose wearing off, like we talked about. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it's just actually a subcutaneous injection. Um, its exact mechanism isn't necessarily unknown, uh, but they think it activates postsynaptic D2 receptors. And so apomorphine is, is not common, but can be used to help with off episodes. Yep. Um, do you want, do, did we already go through, uh, Mirapex and Requip? No. So, I mean, those are going to be, you know, the more common options that you yeah. see. Uh, they can be used as monotherapy or as adjunct if the levodopa is not working as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Premipexol is Mirapex and Ropinrol is Requip. And, you know, we'll see those pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you said, the, those, uh, Dopamine agonists, some of the adverse effects that can be commonly seen with those. Um, somnolence, uh, dyskinesias as well. Um, and then also uh, orthostasis and, and potentially even uh, hallucinations can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, along with, you know, uh, dry mouth and some of the other, you know, not as severe symptoms. But uh, there's immediate release and extended release versions of, of uh, primaprexol uh, as well as ropinerol. And then... Um, uh, Nupro is another dopamine, I guess it's a patch form, um, that is available as well. It's a once daily, uh, patch. I, I don't see that one as often as the other two, but, um, it's, it's out there and sometimes they'll use it for like restless leg, um, restless leg as well as they, uh, they will also do that with Mirapex and Ropinerol as well. Right. 
And so those are the things that you're looking at when you're trying to decide what to use, either as monotherapy or adjunct, um, or really side effects and where the benefit is going to be. Uh, so levodopa has fewer specified adverse events overall, um, with better motor, or I'm sorry, more motor complications. Dopamine agonists generally have fewer motor, com- fewer motor complications, but less improvement in the activities of daily living compared to levodopa, um, and more side effects overall. Uh, so that's the kind of thing you're you're considering before you uh, use either Repinerol or Premipexol. Amantadine is another option. Um, the data is really lacking with that one. It, it really would be considered more of a last line dopamine agonist, uh, but it is out there. It's an it's an NMDA receptor antagonist, whereas uh, Mirapex and Requip are both considered D2 receptor um, stimulants. Mm-hmm. The uh, the other option for, so, you know, if, as far as getting the levodopa into the system, you know, carbidopa is obviously the first option in most cases. However, there is another uh, way that we can kind of ensure that levodopa gets there, and that's using a COMT inhibitor. Um, so, catechol O-methyltransferase is an, another enzyme um, in the periphery that can um, cause that levodopa to be converted um, in the in the periphery before it actually reaches the CNS. And so uh, we can give that as well. Um, so it's typically, or really only should be given with levodopa mm-hmm. because that's the whole point of it. Um, and there is cases where you can give carbidopa, levodopa, and um, the uh, COMT inhibitor. Um, uh, Enticapone, um, Comtan is the, the medication by itself. And then there's a triple therapy um, all in one called um Stilivo. So that's uh that's that's out there and then the um you know adverse effects are going to be very similar to that of the carbidopa levodopa combinations because you know, obviously that's the whole point of it is to get more levodopa into the system. Um a lot of times when you add on uh that COMT inhibitor, you need to decrease the levodopa dose slightly. Um, sometimes 10 to 30% will be necessary when you're first adding it uh, and then titrate back up if you need to um, because a lot more should get into the system and you want to make sure you're not really um, increasing those adverse effects like the dyskinesias and whatnot. Yep. So that's COMT. Yep. Whoa. Other um, types of drugs you can use in monoamine oxidase inhibitors. So you might uh, recognize these from your depression lectures. Um, these are monoamine oxidase B inhibitors specifically. There are monoamine oxidase A inhibitors, so important to differentiate between those. I think Mike actually gave a little anecdote at one point about um, a drug interaction there, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, that was a long time ago. That was I think, a while. But we, uh, but we were supposed to do a whole segment on that, by the way. Remember? We, did we had, we? I like, think we did. We th- did. Yeah. And then I even added in, because I know the cool soundboard now, back then, <laughs> but I added in like a gong sound. Did you really? Yeah. Well, might as well use it again. What, this gong sound? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. Um, but the uh, we were talking about the uh, venlafaxine. Um, they, it was one of my, I think it was a student that had... Mm-hmm. Um, it was Morgan. Yeah, that's right. It yeah. was Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, what's up, Morgan? <laughs> In case you're listening. But uh, she had uh, sent me a text about and that interaction with venlafaxine with Azelect because it was coming up as an absolutely contraindicated interaction. And um, it's really the MAO 
a inhibitor that would be the interaction. We found some data that shows that, you know, in theory, it's it's fine to do the MAOAIB inhibitor along with venlafaxine, but you'd probably want to discuss it with the patient and everything, but um, this patient's depression was finally under control, and they were about to stop the venlafaxine because of uh, the azelect. So, and they had been taking it fine for like two months with no problems right. whatsoever. <laughs> they were about to stop it anyway because of that drug. So It's a good catch. Good catch. But these drugs uh, used in Parkinson's would be like risagiline, selegiline, cefinamide. Uh, they can provide symptomatic benefit as monotherapy in early disease, or you can add them on as adjuncts with levodopa if they're experiencing motor fluctuations, um, similar to COMT inhibitors. Yeah. The um, adverse effects uh, for those, we're, we're thinking about like serotonin syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still a, still a potential. Um, hypertension. So if a patient has cardiovascular disease, this would probably not be your your go-to. Um, you know, we can also uh, cause depression itself, um, you know, and worse than other psychiatric disorders. So you have to be really careful with that. Uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, you know, the big things we're, we're monitoring are the, the, the BP and looking for... With these, would you still have to... Um avoid tyramine-containing foods for that hypertensive crisis? Is that MAOBs as well? That's a good question. I'm not 100% sure on that. I think it is, but don't quote me on that. It's good. It's good how we were coming up with questions. Yeah. On the, Somebody on, will answer On the recording, yeah. We'll so, get an email. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm going to look it up before. That way I don't get... That way I don't get... <laughs> right. By the time I get the email, I already knew that. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Come already, on. Everyone that does like that. like so two days ago. Even Yeah. People are like, why don't they edit this stuff out? <laughs> So we don't edit anything out. Don't edit anything. What you get is what you get. <laughs> Take but, it or leave it. Yeah. Uh, but there are other things you can use, like anticholinergics are used sometimes for symptomatic treatment um, in combination or as monotherapy. Uh, really, it's it's for the benefit of the trimmer is what you're going for. Um, but a significant portion of patients don't really significantly improve on their bradykinesia or rigidity from these. So it's really just the trimmer. Um, trihexafenadyl is one you can use. Uh, it's indicated more as an adjunct that can be used. Uh, also, ben, benztropine, cogentin. You may recognize that one from your psych rotations. Uh, it's frequently used to prevent um, the uh, side effects from antipsychotics that Mike was talking about earlier. Uh, those are a couple things you can consider. Yep, and, and that pretty much covers most of the medications that you'd see for Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll throw in anticholinesterase inhibitors, um, Aricept, Exelon, Rivastigmine patches. Um, I don't know how how beneficial that is, but um, they they it's I think it's more for the dementia portion of the Parkinson's. There's a lot of debate on whether or not those are even all that beneficial and especially you know, when you're Alzheimer's using them. and whatnot. Yeah. Just because they will improve uh, like the scoring of those certain tests right. that they use like um i'm totally drawn like the mocha mm-hmm. um and mini mental status exam things like that uh, they'll improve it but then there's the the debate over whether or not those improvements yes they are statistically significant but clinically significant right Doesn't are they really actually seeing improvements in quality of life from that and um i've heard it put one one way um they they, they basically said that when you're treating that you're treating the family because the family doesn't want to see their right. loved one go through that. So they feel like they're doing something. They're doing something. Kind of like with Naminda. Yeah. Same, similar situation maybe. So, yeah, it's definitely definitely a sad disease. But um, 
yeah, the uh, those drugs I'm a little skeptical of until I see much better data. It is. But Parkinson's really isn't one that is, It's I guess it's not the Parkinson's that really ends up being fatal. I guess the complications from it really long-term, um, like dementia, like um, inability to swallow or lack of mobility, stuff like that. And um, people can live with Parkinson's for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not abnormal. But yeah, it's a tough disease. I had um, one of my... Uh one of my professors, or you know, former professors that uh, I look up to greatly, um, had Parkinson's disease, and uh, had such a good attitude about it. Like you, you see a lot of depression, and it's a terrible thing to have to live with. But he had such a good, such a good and 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 I guess comedic uh, outlook on it. He one time told me he was he had given himself his insulin, and he was trying to recap his uh, pen needle to put it back in his pocket and his, he was having a hard time putting it on. He was, he was like, watch this. He was, this is the hardest part of my day. And he just started laughing. <laughs> He's just such a good guy. But um, anyways. And speaking of him, there are, so I guess we can talk about some non-medication um, therapies. So frequently you'd want to refer to physiotherapy uh, or occupational therapy, speak, speech and language therapy because those are going to be long-term issues. Uh, and those can be very beneficial for these patients, exercising and staying active is very important, uh, as well as in late disease when the um, when the medications have ultimately stopped working, you can consider deep brain stimulation. Uh, it's even mentioned in the NICE guidelines for um, Parkinson's. There was an update in 2017, um, which I think is pretty cool, some to consider, and uh, I guess they've shown some benefit in that those late stages of Parkinson's. Yep, absolutely. And um, dietitians would be good because there's some special dietary considerations, um, especially when it comes to trouble swallowing and things like that long term. Yep. yep, yep. What else? We got anything else for Parkinson's? That's pretty much it. I think that's uh, as brief an overview as you can do for that one, right? It is. That's extremely brief. So we definitely encourage you to go to... Uh, like the Pharmacopeiros Pharmacotherapy textbook is one we like the most. Um, up to date, Dynamed, whatever you have access to, definitely go check it out, read it in its entirety, and uh, become more familiar with with Parkinson's and the drug drug interactions and some of the other stuff that we didn't necessarily spend a lot of time on. So definitely go check it out. Um, just to give you guys kind of a quick update on what's coming, um, we're definitely starting off 2019. We're going to try to get more guests on the show, more Oh, it's experts. the new year, isn't it? It is the new year. Wow. Podcast year three? No. Well, I think we might have... We didn't release the first one until January. It was December 17, I think. Okay. So, the, so we're in year two. Well, this would be the, you know, 17, 18, 19. Well... Three different years. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but we would hopefully we'll be bigger by year three. Right. So I'm trying to make it it's, sound. We've been going for 13 months, people. Yes, don't okay. listen to Cole. So he doesn't know how to do math. 13 months, three years, you know, whatever. 13 months. We 13, don't, we'll say that. Forget Cole's math. He's, Podcast month 13. Yeah. There you go. Month 13. So um, it's coming up on January 16th. We're going to have uh, Dr. Eric Meisner on the show, who is an MD, PhD, um, specializing in infectious disease. And so he is uh, going to come and talk to us about not only his career and give us some insight on how he got to be uh, that smart, but um, <laughs> he is going to uh, review some of the HIV, Hep C, you know, co-infections and um, treat how he goes about treating some of his patients. So he's going to be really cool to talk to. Um 
got a uh, a PA that's going to be coming on talking about um, endocrinology. We have a uh, psych pharmacy specialist that's going to be coming on and talking about some of the psych meds that we can go a little bit deeper with when, when he's on. Um, so definitely some more. We're going to have as many people as we can on this year and totally try to blow 2019 up and uh, make the podcast as beneficial as possible for y'all. But definitely appreciate your support. And uh, thank you guys so much for uh, the the feedback and everything that you've been giving this this past year. We really, really appreciate you listening. Um, if you do like the podcast, please share it. Tell your friends. Um, leave us a comment on iTunes, a rating that helps us out tremendously. And we will keep doing our best to, to put out episodes. So thank you guys so much. And we will catch you next time. Later.